Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. You know, we've been in the midst of a series where we've been talking about using it or losing it. Can you say that with me? Use it or lose it. And I wanted to bring a thought today about what are you known for? In fact, I wanted to call today's message known for what? Known for what? Like, have you ever known somebody who's known for something? Known somebody who's known for something? I don't know whether it's a friend who is known for reacting a certain way. I don't know if it's a neighbour who's known for being left of centre. Sometimes we know people by what we know about them. See, I've been for the last couple of seasons on Tuesday nights from April to September, gathering at the Mike Barnett basketball courts here in Rockingham and dedicating my Tuesday nights to my basketball team. We're called the Rock City Blazers. It's a good name. We wear a good jersey. And we've been playing for the last couple of years and I gotta say we're good. Humbly I say we're good, not because of me, but because of the teammates that I've been able to grab in and beg and plead. I don't pay anybody except for in high fives, but it seems to work. And see, I came out of 10 years of retirement with competitive basketball. 10 years to join this team. And it's amazing that my memory of how I used to be able to play doesn't relate to reality nowadays. I remember being so quick that I could get past anybody. And now it's like my feet are stuck to the ground and I might as well just throw the ball ahead. You really do lose it if you don't use it. But thankfully, my teammates are good. As so the last two seasons, we've made the grand final. We've lost both times. In fact, in the first grand final, my contributed, you know, contributing factor to the team was uh, I was passionate enough to communicate my disappointment with the referee. I didn't say anything I would not repeat to you on microphone that would go out online, but maybe said with a heart that was interpreted by the referee that that constitutes a technical foul. And because I kept on asking him in disagreement, he actually kicked me out of the stadium. <laughs> Again, I didn't cuss, I didn't swear. I disagreed, not agreeably. I love basketball. See, our team is known for certain things. We're known for being intense. I would simply say we're passionate. We're known for being serious. Mind you, we're playing C grade, not B or A, but we're known for being serious. I would just say we respect the game. We're known for being rough, to which I would say yes. Yes, we are rough. See, when you're known for something, your reputation precedes you and it does unlock opportunity that you wouldn't have otherwise. We've been in a season here in church where we've been looking at gifts and the fact that every single one of us in the Kingdom of God is gifted, even if you don't feel gifted today. Even if you feel like God passed you over on the giving of gifts, you are gifted. You have to be gifted because you're literally breathing 
You're breathing and because you're breathing, God's grace is on you and He has gifted you to serve and make a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of others. We've been unpacking out of the book of Romans, the idea of this gift that God's given us. It comes in Romans 12, verse 6 to 11. Just listen to this. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. It's good to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Don't shut yourself down. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, another translation says mercy. If you have a gift of mercy, do it gladly. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. I don't know about you, but that hits me. In the context of this scripture, the writer, the Apostle Paul, is challenging each and every participant in the church to work their gifts. And the context is, don't just pretend to love others. Do you know that your gifts in action show the love of God to others? Not only show the love of God, but show your love towards others. Your gift opens up opportunities for love. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What are you known for? What are we known for? I'm convinced that we can live in such a way that our gifts precede us. I'm convinced that our gifts, when put in action, make not just a difference in the now, but make an eternal difference in the lives of others. See, I'm convinced that you and I are unreplaceable in the Kingdom of God. I honestly believe that with all my, part, all my heart. I, I know that the idea is that if I'm not in my position, maybe somebody else can just step up. Sure, they can step up, but it's not you. And if they're having to step up to what you could have done, what could have they have done? And I'm convinced that God calls people to local churches to carry on the mandate that He's given them. And as we step into our part in that mandate, it actually unlocks who God has created you to be. That the key to a passive life, if I could give you the key to living a depressed and passive life, is to simply live as a spectator. If you want a key to living disengaged, to living empty, is to not give of yourself, especially in your gifts. You know, throughout Scripture, we are challenged time and time again, not with perfect people, because when you read the Bible, the only perfect person you read about is Christ Jesus Himself. But God in His goodness works with the imperfect because He is perfect and He works His goodness out of us. And all throughout Scripture, you see people who through an encounter with Jesus unlock their gifts and their grace and start to live out on purpose. One of the people jumps out to me that resonates with me and possibly my favourite book in the entire Bible, the book of Acts. Acts carries on. 
In the New Testament, after laying the foundation of Jesus and His ministry on earth. And Acts is when the followers of Jesus took serious the message of God and received the grace that God had for them, not just grace for forgiveness, but grace to use and do their gifts, that they advanced the Kingdom of God. They weren't waiting for their star player, they became the star players. And in the book of Acts, we're introduced to somebody who busts down doors because of his grace and his gift. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, verse 37, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. Cyprus, he was an outsider, wasn't from Jerusalem. It was an island in the Mediterranean. He wasn't from the first ever local church that was started there in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came and filled those followers who had been waiting for Jesus to send the promise after He ascended to heaven. And this guy, Joseph, was not originally from that location, but somehow worked his way in because of his gift. It says he was from Cyprus by birth. The one the apostles called Barnabas. He had a nickname. It wasn't his birth name. It wasn't the name he was originally given, but it became the name that he was known by. Why was he called Barnabas? Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. I grew up in a town where nicknames were a little bit derogatory. I can't repeat them here. We didn't give people nicknames usually because of good things. They were usually because they did something wrong. This guy was given a nickname because of the goodness that came out. The son of encouragement. Joseph became Barnabas. He sold a field he owned. He brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, this man, Barnabas, is mentioned a further 25 times in the book of Acts. He becomes a key player in the story in what God is doing. And it's all because he busts down a door of opportunity using his gift. His gift was he was an encourager. Now, I don't know about you, you might think of that word as being a little bit light on. That an encourager is simply somebody who comes on and pats somebody else's back. But an encourager as a gift is somebody gifted to come alongside others and through their confidence in them, unlock their potential for the Kingdom of God. Everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. Somebody who comes alongside, somebody who actually pursues you and says, I believe in you even more than you believe in yourself. And because I believe in you, you can do great things for the Kingdom of God. You can be great because God is great and He's calling you to serve out of that greatness. And so Barnabas had a gift of encouragement, so much so that he was born Joseph and he became Barnabas. Think of the grace that he had to bust down doors of opportunity because he moved with his gift and with his grace. And so we see the life of this person unpacked throughout the book of Acts. He doesn't stop there. It goes on to say in Acts 9, 27, Barnabas, I've got to tell you this account. Previously to this account in Acts chapter 9, a man who has been persecuting the church, a Jewish leader who was zealous in protecting what they had, had been gathering together oppressive forces to stifle the extension of the Kingdom of God and stop the church from spreading. This man's name was Saul. And it just so happened that as he was travelling to a city called Damascus so that he could stop 
the church from extending its influence there. He had an encounter with Jesus along the way. An undeniable encounter that transformed his entire life to the point where this man who was known as Saul went through a journey of 14 years as God healed him, liberated him, invested in him. And this man who was Saul became Paul. And Paul became the key foundational leader of the early church. But initially, people were scared of him. Imagine somebody who is winding up and attacking and oppressing Christians to the point where some are being locked in jail or even killed for their faith. And you hear the story that this person has received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Wouldn't you be thinking, ah, that's a sly plan. Ah, that's their new strategy. He was an outsider, not accepted, even though he had a meeting with Jesus for himself. What it took is somebody with a gift to come and find him and unlock his potential. It says in Acts 9.27, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, however, took him, Saul, and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had then spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas used his gift to open up a divine opportunity for Saul who became Paul. He was pivotal in the life of this man who he did not know previously. But he allowed God to put a burden on his heart that he would pursue this rejected follower of Jesus. And I'm convinced if Barnabas hadn't done it, Saul who became Paul would never have been who he was called to be. Your gifts not only unlock potential in the lives of others, but can set them up on a journey where not only do they encounter God for themselves, but they are transformed by Him along the way. Your gifts are an open door. Your gifts are an open door. And you allow people to step through the opportunity that you've given. The son of encouragement doesn't stop there. In Acts 11, 22 to 26, it says, News about them reached the church in Jerusalem. The church had been spreading throughout the known world. And news started filtering back to Jerusalem. This thing is out of control. This is amazing. New churches are starting up. God is extending things. There's a church in Antioch that had just started. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out who? Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And what did he do? He used his gift and encouraged all of them, not just some of them, not just a few of them, all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. Verse 24, for he was a good man. I've got to unpack this for a moment. There's an account in Jesus' earthly ministry that has often stuck with me, where a religious leader was looking to trip Jesus up on his teaching and came to him one day and started the conversation innocently enough. But Jesus corrected him. So this religious leader came to Jesus and said, good teacher. And Jesus didn't let him pass on with his question there. He corrects him on the spot. 
And I always found this challenging. Jesus corrected him by saying, who are you calling good? Only God is good. And whenever I've read that, I've always interpreted Jesus as saying to this religious leader who did not know that Jesus Himself was God in flesh, was challenging this person to see that the goodness of Jesus was the fact that He is God. You recognise my goodness, that's right, because I am God. And here we have Barnabas, the son of encouragement, opening up doors of opportunity because of his gift. And the first thing they mark is he is a good man. You know, wouldn't it be great that the church is known for the participants who are good people? Now, goodness here, I'm not talking about people who are passive. I'm not talking about people who will just lay down and allow others to walk over them. That's not goodness. Goodness is defending the goodness of God so that other people can encounter the goodness of God themselves. Barnabas in his gift was known as a good person. You know, I'm convinced that as we learn to operate out of our gifts, we not only experience more of God for ourselves, but we allow others to experience God's goodness through us. He was known as a good man full of the Holy Spirit. I've got to stop there again. You know, prior to the coming of Jesus, often when people wanted to encounter God, it was at set locations. It was at set locations because God in His goodness would dwell there and allow His presence to dwell there as holy ground. Moses encounters God as a burning bush and he acknowledges that that is holy ground and he takes off his shoes. He goes on to institute this thing called the tabernacle, which is basically a giant tent that they would carry throughout the wilderness. But because they dedicated this tent to God, whenever they set it up, the presence of God dwelt there. And that tent ended up becoming in Jerusalem, the basis of a temple that was built as it was planted in the ground as a perpetual reminder that God dwells with His people. And when they dedicated that temple to the Lord, His presence filled that place. But in the coming of Jesus, He unlocked the reality that God wanted to work in amongst us from the beginning. You are a temple. You are a living, breathing temple. And we have the opportunity to fill ourselves up with whatever we dedicate ourselves to. We dedicate ourselves to things that just serve ourselves and we become worshippers of our own lives. We become a temple onto ourselves. We remain empty until we find something to fill it up with, whether it's entertainment, whether it's distraction, whether it's bitterness, whether it's disappointment. But God in His goodness works through people like Barnabas and us and says, I want to fill you with my Spirit because you are my temple. And the greatest truth is, as a participant in the things of God, you are a temple of God. And so wherever you go, that is holy ground because you are holy ground. You serve out of your gifts, you minister out of your gifts, the goodness of God flows and it flows because you are filled with the very Spirit of the living God. You are a temple. Barnabas, serving God, ministering, grace, gifts, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Faith works. Faith is not passive. Faith looks for opportunities to impact and transform and change. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus and he searched for Paul, uh, Saul, 
And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and they taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The first time followers of Jesus were called Christians comes out of the work of the encourager who had vouched for Saul, but noticed that Saul was not being utilised. So pursued him and invited him in. And for a year, they taught together. That's what gifts do. They pursue people and they invite people up to our level. The Kingdom of God is not meant to be lived where we're above others. In fact, what we do is we invite people up to our level of living. And if we do it right, hopefully what we do is we actually allow them to leapfrog above us. Your gifts unlock an eternal destiny in somebody's heart. And sometimes it just takes you believing in them. You know, I'm convinced that as you live a life known for the gifts and the grace that God has for you, He actually adds more to you. The next time we hear about Barnabas is in Acts 13. And he stayed in that church in Antioch. And it says that he is known as one of the prophets of that church. It's interesting how somebody who was known for encouragement had more added to him. Do you know, as you use what God has given to you, He adds more to your life. You know, there's a thing in the Scriptures, there's another set of gifts that's unpacked in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I won't go there in detail today, but it's called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that some gifts are foundational to our life and as we learn to operate out of them, it opens up doors of opportunity. But as you minister, as you serve, as you make a difference with the way God has wired you, do you know that He adds more to you? He has gifts by His Holy Spirit. Gifts that allow us to have things like a word of wisdom. Have you ever wanted to know how to do something and just needed a download from heaven? It is available for your gift of the Holy Spirit. A word of knowledge just to know something about somebody or something that is revealed from heaven. It's possible. A gift of faith that can come on you to cause amazing things to take place. You know, I lived in Phnom Penh, Cambodia for a number of years and I was surrounded in an atmosphere of the gift of faith. I personally know pastors in provincial Cambodia who would take on multiple churches across long distances and pastor and visit each church throughout a monthly cycle. And what they would do is they would sacrifice their own resources to pioneer and pastor people in villages where the gospel had never been heard. And I personally know pastors who throughout their journey would regularly run out of petrol on their little 125cc motorcycles. And for any normal person, that would mean, well, maybe God hasn't called me to finish this journey. I'll let God deal with those people in the village up ahead. But I personally know pastors who would get off, open the cap on their motorcycle. They would blow into the fuel that's non-existent. And they'll say, God, I am called to minister Your Word So allow this motorcycle to run until I'm given money to fuel up. And I personally know pastors who would then drive around for two weeks on empty fuel. How does that happen? A gift of faith. As they're serving God with the gifts that they have, God adds more. There's a gift of healings. Healings, God wants to heal people through you and He will give the gift as we step out and open up doors of opportunity with the gifts that we already have. 
There's a gift of discernment, of prophecy, of tongues, of interpretation, of tongues. And so in everything, you are gifted. Because not only do you start with a baseline gift, God will give more. And there is so much more for you to experience because you are a temple. And God wants to fill every empty space with His goodness and with His grace and with His ability. And so here in person and online, I wanna give you one challenge and two encouragements if I can. You work in your gifts under God's grace, bust down the front door. It makes a way for you and for others. So here's the challenge. Create ways to work your gifts because people are waiting on the other side of your obedience. And I say that as a challenge, knowing that in the midst of today, whatever decision comes out from our government, whether we're heading into another lockdown or whether we're free to go about things wearing masks, we're in the season of uncertainty. And the reality is, as we head into winter, there may be more opportunities for uncertainty. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm going about my day to day and I get random updates that the WA government has gone online for another press conference. And I know that that breeds an uncertainty. I know in the midst of uncertainty, many people would pull back. Many people would pull back of themselves and their gifts and their abilities because uncertainty sometimes breathes with it a lack of confidence. I would say to you, the challenge for us is do not let your gifts go dormant in the midst of uncertainty. Barnabas is known as a son of encouragement. He is ministering in a time where Christians are locked up for their faith, where some have even been killed simply because they profess Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And in the midst of that uncertainty, he led with his gift and God added more. You are gifted. And I would challenge you in the midst of uncertainty to create avenues to minister in your gift. If we go into lockdown and your gift is hospitality, why not purchase Uber Eats for somebody that's on your heart and give them a call and say, I can't have you in my home, but hey, there's a meal coming on me. Tell me what it was like. You know, in the midst of lockdown, you may be like Barnabas, have the gift of encouragement, but you can't come alongside people. Do you know how powerful it is to text somebody that you are praying for them in that moment? And you're praying for them like you pray for yourself and you believe in them. Maybe you have the gift of leadership, which really means that you go into a situation that is led by chaos and you bring God's order. Well, I'm sure you can find opportunities for chaos in uncertainty. So bring that gift. Impose yourself on the season. Don't let the season impose itself on you. Because the last thing the heart of God wants is for us to simply fill seats at Optus Stadium. The game is called to be played on the streets. The game is called to be played in the neighbourhoods. And so whether we're locked indoors or whether we're outside, look for moments. All you need to do is say, Lord God, fill me with Your Spirit and give me opportunities to minister and you will be amazed at what God does with your life. 
So take the challenge. Be known for something. Be known for something. And the two encouragements that I'll give you as we get ready to close. God will utilise. I like the word utilise. I grew up in a movement of faith that would often say God wants to use you. He doesn't want to use you like a hammer is used by a carpenter. Picked up, put down. He wants to utilise you. He's with you. He's for you. He wants you to live empowered. God will utilise you and your gifts to empower, to enable, to unlock in others breakthrough, freedom, strength to stand strong. So don't rob them. Don't rob them. Don't rob them. My wife and I had the honour of having a meal with very close friends last night and it was mentioned, without mentioning names, that they were looking for a few years to make a significant decision in their business or what to focus on. They came forward to this altar, this front section here in the church and received prayer. And somebody prayed for them, not knowing what they were dealing with and spoke a word that set up the next season of their life and has led them into God's grace. Use your gifts because it unlocks breakthroughs for others. Last encouragement. As you use what God has given you, the Holy Spirit will add more. As you use what God has given you, the Holy Spirit will add more. And so wherever you are right now, in person, online, I want to encourage you, God wants to utilise you because He wants to fill you with His Spirit to the point where you are overflowing in every area of life. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.